Hey, welcome back, everybody, to my podcast. And today's guest is Donatos Urbanas, senior staff writer for Basket News. And ironically, this episode is in English again with a Lithuanian guest. Uh, so today we talked about the sports journalism profession. We talked all the nuances that are behind the scenes, uh, sources, the authenticity of the sources, the authenticity of the information, how to clarify information, as well as earning the sources trust. Uh, also of earning the the trust of the people that he's interviewing it's the importance of not spreading fake news but having the good intention with the articles and and with 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 um, uh, podcasts with the information that they are putting out there uh, we also talked about the clickbaity articles uh, the importance of keeping the balance between being not too clickbaity but at the same time to to spread some spice uh, into this uh, basketball business all those little things we talked about and uh, if you enjoyed it please share please comment uh, i think there's lots of valuable information in there for just to understand the profession of sports journalism and the the, the part they play in our ecosystem so if you did enjoy it please give a thumbs up and subscribe right here thank you bye donatas what's up man welcome to my world of podcasting it's so hey man it's so strange to be on a different side of this whole thing actually because usually i'm who are trying to steal your time uh, usually it's me who are, who is bothering you that hey ben as i want to talk about with you about this and that so now i'm kind of feel strange and weird that i i i haven't i didn't need to prepare for this stuff and you're going to do something with me so i'm in a weird position I was going to ask you how you feel being on the other side, but you already answered it for me. But, you know, it's, it's, you're, you are, is it fair to say that you're the podfather in Lithuania or was there somebody in the sports industry podcasting before? Maybe there were some other podcasts, minor podcasts, because I remember we had one of the first conversations in the, in the coffee shop in Lithuania. And that was like, I don't know, six, seven, six, seven years ago, something like that, maybe. Yeah. It was so rare that I remember that. Uh, okay, in basketball, in general, if I would be cocky enough, I would say that, yeah, I'm a godfather of podcasts here in Lithuania. But I know that one of my former colleagues, he started doing something with the NBA podcasts in Lithuanian. It was not very popular pod podcast, but I would say that it was the very, very, very first Lithuanian podcast about basketball. So I would say I was second. But I remember that when we were recording this pod in, in coffee shop, I remember that Oleg Shuraev came in and he was already started doing it in Lithuania, which was already also rare, not just in basketball, but just in general. He stopped. He looked at us. He listened to what we were talking about. And okay, maybe he was smiling because it was basketball related. I'm not sure. I doubt he is a basketball fan. I really doubt. He's not for sure. But I think that he smiled that he saw that podcasts are becoming a thing in Lithuania because we were doing it before actually podcasts became a thing so that was a unique beginning uh, who, for us yeah who was who was let's let's give the the original podfather a, a shout out and who was the guy that, that was doing the sports uh, the basketball podcast Andrews Danius Danius uh, okay. he was commentating NBA games now he's the radio station ho uh, host so so shout yeah, out, he was there. Shout out to uh, shout, shout out, out to Andres Denis. Yeah, um, yeah. It's it's something for, for sure. Now the Lithuanian crowd will be mad at me more than at you because we're doing it in English. But uh, now, because because the last podcast was was in Lithuanian as a surprise, and it was very very well received. I, I appreciate that people actually listen to it. But 
for for the people in Lithuania, we will do this in Lithuania and also in the, in the, in the future. But we wanted to talk about the sports journalism in Europe, particularly internationally. That's why we're doing it in English because this is a podcast also about spreading knowledge. Okay, so you know, you know, just as my listeners know, that we are trying always here to educate people on a different level and with some nuances to the job. So. I, you know, you know, normally, like you probably listen to some of them. Uh, I prepare for four quarters, but with us, with us too, because we know each other very well, and you're a, a professional in this. I think that we're gonna just gonna uh, riff with it and vibe and see how it go. I prepared a couple topics that we talked about beforehand, but can you define sports journalism in in a nutshell of of how to for people to understand the the essence of the job? Mm. That's a very tough question, Benas. It's probably it's broad. It's a very broad question. I understand, but maybe something so broad. Something... Yeah, it's it's the same. If I would ask you, so what's your job is all about? You know, it touches yes. so many different things. But I think that just just to try to be sure, I think that I'm as a sports journalist. I feel like I have a mission to spark the conversation of about about basketball internationally. I have a mission to tell good stories. I have the intention to tell good stories, but there are also bad stories. Uh, there is a mission uh, to break the news sometimes, to announce something uh, before it's getting uh, official. And also by doing that, to let people know, to keep the pulse of what is happening in the basketball world. Because if we all would get only the official information, it, it would be just too boring. And I think that, as basketball, yeah, basketball is a serious sport, serious business, but at the same time, it's an entertaining business, I would say. So I think that this whole basketball conversation, this whole basketball thing also needs to be entertaining. So I, I think that storytelling, even podcasting, just sharing opinions is also part of this uh, entertainment. So sports journalist mission, I think it's very broad thing, but I think I think it's very important to make this game more more popular, and I think that that's what we maybe are lacking of here in Europe, having this great product as Euroleague is, or even uh, FIBA International ba basketball. It's it's very very good product, but I just think that it it needs to be a little bit more entertaining. Okay, so let's dig into that a little bit in terms of gathering the news before there are news. So how how does it begin? How do you start and do you become? Do you get hints, uh, or do you add? Because you have to start somewhere. You don't know what's going to pop up, right? So maybe somebody gives you a hint, or do you have a hinge about something that's going to happen, and you're trying to ask people around? How? Where is the first seed of information come from? Mm -hmm. I think that the very very first seed is just random basketball conversations with basketball pe people. Just from the conversation, you can hear something you can react naturally and then think that oh it might be interesting for a story and i i, I have to say that probably uh the the information that i publish probably makes five or one percent of all the information i get i hear uh, and i know but there are some things that cannot be published uh, not to harm anybody, not to harm your source, your your friend, or any team, or any anybody particular in that situation, or it's just something not relevant for for publication uh, for an article. Maybe just some opinion based on some uh, on some 
knowledge of some information. But I would say that it all starts from basketball conversa- conversations. But as you said very uh, well, that sometimes you can predict that something can be happening. So you start digging. For instance, somebody gets injured. So you for sure know that, let's say, Keenan Evans got injured and Jalgiris now is looking for a point guard. So you just put, you know, as a fisherman, you're trying to to try to check to get some information. Uh, or, you know, that there's the EuroLeague signing deadline, for instance. So you, you ask your sources uh, who might know that something is going on so you can get some information. But sometimes the information comes so randomly. I remember I... I got some scoop from a guy in the Las Vegas summer league who was just doing this elevator job, you know, just greeting people and saying, hey, which floor? Or basically it was just two floors. So he was just going up and down. And he just saw my accreditation, my credentials. He saw that I'm from Lithuania. And he said, oh, I know one friend who is going to play in in Lithuanian team. And, you know, it it, it was actually a very well-known player. But at the same time, when I digged in, it turned out it was not true what he heard, although he heard it from his uh, family, uh, friends. So, I mean, the information flow is very interesting. Sometimes it's predictable, but sometimes it's so random. So, okay, so the sources that you dig into, how do you, you have to double check them also. You can't, you know, you can't just go off of it. So how do you, for, how do you? investigate the sources or double check the sources cross check with with other other people that you feel like this could be something and you know to verify before you publish anything you have to you have to be able to be you know on on the same page everybody has to be aligned every all the information has to be correct yeah and benos i would say that nowadays the information has to be triple checked at least because uh of course the big, the best case scenario is when you know the primary source of the information directly. Uh, let's say it's a player or the GM who signed the papers, you know, for, for the for the acquisition of the player. So I mean, it's it's all clear, but it's not like you always have the direct uh, uh, relationship with all those sources. Uh, so even if sometimes I have, let's say, tires of my sources, some of like I, I, I can trust. Okay, I always try to double check, but at least I can somebody I can trust without triple check, and then s- somebody I'm questioning all the time. So I have I need to have at least two, three, or four uh, confirmations for that information. So I have those tires, and even from the most reliable people, uh, especially in the last couple of years, I understood that they also get misguided with some information, and you have to be so uh, confident about the info you get before you publish anything. Because there's the huge responsibility. And even though I, I have this perfectionist approach towards the information I publish, uh, even I, you know, was misguided and I made some uh, mistakes in the last couple of years, which I regret, which I don't feel good about. But I also understand that it's part of my business because maybe you can tell me better, but it feels like in the United States, uh, probably, uh, okay, maybe we have this different feeling about the US media because we see only Vosh and Shams, you know, tweeting something. And if, if they tweet something, I mean, it's for sure true. Maybe we're not following the other whistleblowers that you can maybe uh, know in, in working in the United States. Maybe we just get the surface of the top, top whistleblowers and newsbreakers like Vosh and Shams. But in Europe, I would say it's like a wild west. It's really hard to trust any information. And I'm not talking just about the reporters. 
I have many friends, reporters, reporters that I trust, but at the same time, there are so many whistleblowers that sometimes they're influenced by agents, sometimes they're influenced by, uh, influenced by somebody else, sometimes they're just misguided as I am. Uh, so it's like a wild west inf of information. So you need just to be so, so sure about what you're posting. So sometimes I even go without posting anything instead of doing something when I know that I'm not 99.5% sure about this information because it, I, I've just been hurt by some situations already. I'm just not, I don't want to get involved with that. So it's a, it's, it's a tough business, I think. It's, I can imagine in your position to be, to be, to verify every information to 100% Q is probably close to impossible. But because some people, like you said, some people are falsely informed as well and unknowingly and without, a, without wanting to harm you, they give you false information as well. So it's, it's a trickle down effect from, from some source or sometimes also somebody trying to spread some false information. Correct. Exactly. So you have to distinguish between what's right and what's wrong. And, you know, 20, 30 years ago, uh, the, uh, there was, you know, the, the, the essence was to get the news, to, to find the news, to, to, to gain knowledge. Now, I, I, read it some, I read somewhere that the biggest challenge of today's day is to distinguish between right information and wrong information because there's just overflow of information all over the place, whether it's in the US, whether it's in Europe or just internationally, if we talk about just the grand theme of things in, in, in the basketball world. So the, the most difficult part is to dis distinguish which information is valuable, which is correct, and which is honestly, you know, the the, the source that that's coming from because you're protecting your name also your name is on a line basically when you post something yeah. and i'm sure if you post something wrong some people will be offended yeah that's true and also uh sometimes we have situations where uh you don't want to harm anybody because for me the how to how to present it the the piece of the person i'm tweeting or i'm writing about is more important than for me to to be the first which means if I want to break some news and I know that if I break those news and even if I write, if I tweet that somebody is close to an agreement and I know that potentially it can actually harm the deal in the end, which leads to potentially, you know, harming the player or the, the team that wants to make this uh, transaction. I rather just, you know, put it aside. I'm not tweeting anything because that's, I, I, I want to, break the news i want to present the news but i don't want to ruin anything you know that's my primary goal sometimes you do it uh, uh, not intentionally uh, sometimes it happens that you don't know the player personally you don't know the agent personally but you get it from somewhere else uh, the information from somewhere else you just tweet it and later on you figure out that hey maybe it kind of hurt somebody in some other ways but at the same time we deal this with the situation where i think that uh, most of the time the primary source of the information or the teams, the GMs, the agents, the players, all the participants of ecosystem are even paranoid how this information can affect their situation. And I would say that uh, they're just afraid of too much of things that they cannot control or they're just afraid of things because there's no that kind of culture in Europe that somebody can be, you know, published already. And, uh, you know, it's just how this business goes, because when you look uh, at the USA market, you always see chance, wash, breaking the news, breaking the information way before it's, it's getting published or even sometimes the deal is finalized. So it's 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 a difficult thing. Uh, and 
what I don't like also uh, when I, um, I know that, and probably that, that was the question I had for you, actually, Benes. Uh, how do you feel when the journalist wants to get any information from you uh, and to use to as a source, but of course not, not to put you on a quote, but just wants to get something or how do you feel when he wants to interview you as well, which means that the, what you're going to say is, is going to be public. What, what's your first initial reaction? So in my position, it's a little bit also different than in other positions. Um, if there's a, let's, let's, when I give lectures, not lectures, <laughs> I'm not a professor. Uh, if I give a, a clinic, I'm a scouting clinic, uh, talking about yeah. filters. So I have I have to use certain filters for certain uh, uh, people that I talk to or certain professionals that I talk to, whether it's on the team or uh, media, public speaking, journalism, or agents or or uh, other other sources, other other people. It's it's a matter of who I'm talking to and which which information will be public and which will not be public. If I have a public uh, interview, I certainly have to be careful of the information that I that I I just lay out there for everybody to hear to 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 investigate on, uh, because especially if it touches if it talks about our team and and our our uh, internal information, it's a no go. You know, I can't I can't share anything whether it's private or public. But if there's some educational or something that's my personal philosophy, a certain view on things, mm. I can I can publicly express it with the intention of telling that this is the way I view things through my experience and through my knowledge and my truth. I call it you know a personal truth because there's no absolute truth in any business that you're in, whether it's basketball or 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 journalism or or uh, uh, whatever what journalism is a part of of basketball. But in 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 general, um, I I try to have my personal truth distinguished from from their truth. You know, I, this is this is the way uh, I was shaped. The the experience I had with the coaches I worked with, with the players I worked with, and that shaped my view on things, my philosophy on on basketball and life in general. So I can share certain things, but I have to have the intention of saying that. This is this is only how I view it. That's not necessarily the truth. If but yeah. yeah, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. But do you sometimes feel like when journalists, for whatever reasons, approaches you, do you feel they look at it as a threat, threat of being misinterpreted, threat of uh, being used in a way you don't want to be used, maybe with some bad headline, which can you know spread the message of some mixed feelings, spread the wrong message. Do you feel like this can go wrong actually? For sure, for sure. And this is this is a misconception, but this is also a trust issue that there are some coaches that had bad experiences with it. And this is something you can tell me also about because this is a good conversation about um, the eth ethics of this job. Okay, so when, because there's a, there's a thing, as you know, clickbait you know clickbait yeah. media so the 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 headlines are very important for the article to be read and to be to to be going around so i i had experience with it as well sometimes it was unintentional because the 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 journalists they were looking for yeah. for for ways to make the article not necessarily me look bad but the article to look good at but without having the idea maybe not the it was a surface level attitude you know without the knowledge of the nuances below that that this the trickle down effect of how it affects me what i said so 
there definitely I I I would like to see the article or or the interview before it comes out with the headline just to double check that this is correct because there's a perception of the, the way it's viewed in the public it's not going to be the same that I want it to be viewed from my side of 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 of, of thinking because the intention may have been a completely different one you know but the intention of the journalist to to publish the article and to make it uh, clickworthy and re- readworthy is a different intention not a bad intention but it's more about the article than it is about the person behind the article so uh, there is a different there's a certain amount of doubt you know and 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 suspicion and unless there's a trust between the the journalist that you know you you developed over the course of years and you follow the work and you've you've worked together a lot there's then it's 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 like with everything you you have to have a certain kind of level of 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 knowledge of each other and and some sort of friendship that you that you develop in order to trust each other so you can't just you know there's yeah. whether it's a journalist or not it's a, it's a, it's a random person that comes up to me and wants an interview in their country maybe in a different language and with the translation that i don't know how the cultural nuance when you translate an article and you put it yeah. in a different in their language it's perceived completely different. That's the essence of communication, of how it's going to be perceived. I can't translate it because it's their language. Yeah. But at the same time, I think that if something new comes up to you, if, if somebody you, you've never known about uh, comes up to you, you don't have this feeling of something can go wrong if you haven't had any bad experiences before. And that's how I feel approaching some new sources, uh, new people that I hadn't have any relationship before when I working for basketnews.com for the almost uh, two years already. Because every time I approach them, I would say that maybe 89% of those people, it feels like they already had bad experiences. So they're always, uh, you know, they're Gosh. a little bit suspicious. Yeah, exactly. But I think that this feeling of suspicious comes from having bad experiences because I think it's just like in the regular life. If you have some new experience, new situation, you're not looking at it negatively or like, oh, my God, something can go wrong. No, not, it's not like that. But if you were hurt by that experience before, that's when you start being suspicious. And I, I'm not blaming anybody, but it just really sometimes it really makes our job. Uh, so uh, difficult because you have to go through so many uh, filters but at the same time you mentioned this uh, clickbait uh, culture uh there's this thing uh that at to some extent you have to be clickbaity in this new era i would say in this social media instagram and uh, attention span era where it's actually because people now we can I was working for the regular news media outlet. Now I'm working only for the basketball website. But before in Lithuania, I was working for the second biggest news media outlet. And I watched it on our stats, on analytics that people read headlines. So in order just somehow, even if the article is just pure quality, nothing, nothing clickbaity, no, no speculations, just like putting Benes Clinic for free, just just open the article and you'll get a lot of good quality information. They don't care. So you still need to find ways in in like 80 or 70 symbols to get that attention and to direct him to the room where he will get this gold, you know, for, for his uh, uh, philosophy, for his knowledge. So 
to some extent, you need to be clickbaity because even the best information can get lost. Okay, so but the, at the but... same time, I agree with you. It cannot be too clickbaity. And I, I had this great lesson. I I can honestly admit that in my first years in my career, for sure, I was a clickbaity uh, journalist. But at some point, I understand that things shouldn't be going this way. And I also heard the great advice from my colleague, Jonas Miklovas, when I, w- I was actually doing my very, very first podcast episode in Lithuania. He said that when I think about the headline, I always think about that person who was interviewed about and how he sees that headline and what he would think about that headline. And as you said, uh, when it's about you, you, you see that headline different. So you have to be... You know, you have to find the balance between making your um, guest, let's say your interviewer comfortable and at the same time trying to get the, the, the fan, the reader into this article. It's exactly. not an easy balance, but I think that that's what we should do. You have to put yourself in the other person's shoes and because there's it's careers on a line, it's jobs on a line right now. So it's always the it's a very sensitive thing. And, and depending on the culture you come from, it's there is even more fire behind the article you know so it's a, it's a very it's 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 a very subjective and very cultural thing that you have to be aware of what you're putting out there there's as i wanted to say earlier there's trauma it's it's like when your girlfriend at some point maybe 5 years ago cheated on you and you're going to meet somebody else are you not going to have the same thoughts that come to your mind like i am i going to get cheated on again you know it's the same kind of uh, metaphor that's going to be a- applicable in any kind of life situation so you have to put yourself in the other person's shoes and understand that this guy or this person with this with this past he probably experienced some trauma some journalist trauma in the past maybe not himself maybe he heard of also of other coaches that have gotten into or coaches or whoever got into situations and in interviews that put put them out there un- unsuspiciously you know naively i like to be naively i like to be open mm-hmm. But then at the same time, I feel there's a there's a boundary. There is a there is a line at some point where okay, this is this this until here and not further, because I have to protect myself. I'll have to protect my sources because if I give you some certain information, that source will know that it's from them. You know, some sources they they, they the information yeah. can be out there, but they they don't want the source to be attached to it. Some sources they don't want the information to be out there at all, you know. So another thing that I also wanted to point out was the 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 clickbait article. When you put clickbaity things, it's you know I like to like talk about food. So the the have you ever heard of empty calories? Mm, yeah, yeah. So empty calories is for for people who are listening. Most of the time, it's candy, it's it's chip, potato chips, whatever. It's calories, but there's no nutrients in there. So yeah. whatever, whenever the 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 clickbaity article, whenever the article and the headline is the empty calorie behind it, if the article is completely about something else and there's no mm. substance to the article, then it's empty calorie, and then it's false, false, falsy kind of clickbaity headline. Yeah. If the if the article has the 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 topics listed as well as that's significant and 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 rely and uh, connected to the to the article to the headline. Then you can say honestly, okay, this is not an empty calorie. This is actually good candy. <laughs> this is actually yeah. healthy candy that has all the nutrients in it and no sugar and <laughs> everything is is easy is 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 well digestible. Yeah, I mean, the reader cannot 
uh, feel how to say cheated when he's opening an article and he was attracted by this nice candy and it turns out there are just stones inside. At the same time, I admit that sometimes we need to put this candy in some very nice paper and maybe a little bit <laughs> nicer paper when the candy uh, when, when sweet the candy is. So I mean, but yeah, at least the the initial goal, uh, the mission should be you know just 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 to be right, not to cheat on on your readers. And I admit sometimes we need to as I don't remember who said that uh, I, when I met Shane Larkin or Nick Kalaitis, He said that oh you're from basket in basket news you're you're spicy. So sometimes we need to be spicy in order to get views, to get reads, but at the same time with the good intention for people yes. to get to know more about the game that we love so much. So sometimes we need to overhype some things on YouTube videos because that's how the YouTube works, unfortunately. Uh, because in other case, you will get lost uh, in, in millions of those uh, videos. But at least the initial idea, the primary idea should be right, not cheating on readers and giving them some uh, information that they, they will feel that, okay, I got to learn something from it. Help help me to overhype my uh, YouTube channel. <laughs> uh, it needs a little bit more that... attention. But the problem is that you're everything against the hype. You know, you're so <laughs> sterile in a good way that you're like a great basketball university. But at the same time, uh, who gets hyped about universities? You know, they get hyped about the nerds, about nerds. girls. Yeah, exactly. Nerds, which is, which is great, actually. People should pay for your content because it's basically weekly free basketball uh, clinics. So it's the content you're giving for the basketball ecosystem here is just amazing. Well, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. I'm I'm still working. I'm still trying to get better, and uh, this is a good this is a good balance to my regular job, and and just to have my brain work a little bit different way to share information and knowledge. But let's talk about your your uh, your <laughs> profession. Uh, let's talk about sources a little bit more because of the the way to protect the sources and the ethics of it. Okay, as you as you mentioned with the articles, you're not. You're spicy, but at the same time, you have to protect the the reader of giving him substance. You know that's according to the headline, but also at the same time, protecting your sources and not put him out there too much in terms of what what the information come, came from. How yeah. do you make sure that the sources are aligned with the information that you put out there publicly? Mm, if you feel that your source might be ident identified and he will you know, get into trouble, you try to put information that is not so detailed, a little bit more generalized information, uh, which would prevent a source from being disclosed. If you feel and if you know that your source for sure will be disclosed, uh, usually try to not to put that information. If also the source feels that it he might be hurt in, in some ways, uh, I'm fortunate enough uh, to also work with a lot of confident uh, people. Usually, I, I believe that it just like with the players, I always try to go for a veteran player for somebody who who is over 30s because he's been through everything. He's he's built that confidence in himself, and he he's accountable for his words. Whatever he says, he says. Wherever he will be more open, he might criticize somebody personally, but he feels confident uh, because there's some background be uh, behind his statements, and he's not—he's uh, willing to say 
the way how he feels and it, he feels that it's right for for the game for anybody to grow in our basketball ecosystem because young guys they usually you know they don't want to get themselves into trouble sometimes it goes the same with the sources if they are confident with themselves and if they know that okay maybe some club some agent some player might be a little bit angry but at the same time if there's no background b- behind somebody getting angry just because some information was published and again we have a little bit paranoid european basketball culture in terms of what is published and what's not i mean i hope that everybody should you know would work in in states and in, in, in nba and ncaa and g league basketball you know just to get used to the information flow that is uh, over there to understand that there's nothing wrong if something is 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 published uh so that would be easier for me but i actually forgot the question already i i was talked too much i, I, I talked <laughs> too much so i go go somewhere you know on sideways no that's that's okay but that's that's we're talking about sources in terms of you know the ethical the ethical approach to it but uh, you know how how to protect the sources and you're saying that you take older players because they're they feel they're not threatened they don't feel threatened they feel very secure in their roles and 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 know what they're talking about actually because they've been through a lot of a lot of ups and downs but do you yeah, yeah just to add yeah you you put me on the right path so uh actually it 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 all it is all on the confident of that source how how good he feels about himself and 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 his situation and if it's not always uh basically i have this uh, feeling that okay i'm not i'm i don't want to hurt you uh i don't want to ru- ruin your thing think even though it might not ruin it at all but if you feel it might hurt you okay i respect you but at the same time usually i go like this if i'm not publishing the information in the right way i'm not i'm not uh, saying what the real truth is there's a really high chance that in this wild european uh, media culture somebody will get a scoop of this information you want it or not nobody will ask you how do you feel about it and they can put it in in the way they want in in the way that they actually might hurt you or mm-hmm. might spread some fake news so would you rather go with the information which is correct and right and fair than somebody in this business i feel that in europe we have this biz- uh, situation where everybody a lot of people are afraid of being second or third the, the news they come up so they try to be the first uh, whatever that means and sometimes they're not accountable to the information 100% sometimes they're not double checking things sometimes they're not triple checking things they just want to be first and they feel that kind of rush of importance of being first rather than just just putting information that is is, is right so that's why i lose a lot of these breaking news because if i'm hearing that the deal is not finalized or that there are some situations and game changers that they can actually affect the deal and it might go a different way i mean i'm not going to put it but somebody who heard that information from somebody else they don't care they just go in advance with that information and in the most cases at the end of the story you know in most cases you know the deal is done and he was right but sometimes you from wanting to be first you, you can can get yourself uh, hurt in these situations and it's it's good to be on the other side then when you waited and you can actually say 
the rumor is not confirmed yet or it's false information you can actually you know because you have time to be thorough and to double check everything and then you can also kind of not not but you can't you can't also just take a dump on your colleague right you have to also say hey this yeah. is this is yeah. you have to be careful with how you express the and and challenge the information of the other journalists yeah and at the same time uh i, I for instance i remember one example very well i think it was last summer where Grigonis was choosing between many teams. He had this difficult buyout situation with CSKA Moscow. And I remember somebody from the Greek media, and I believe that it was trustworthy source, they reported that Grigonis to Panathinaikos is a done deal. And I know for, for sure from a different sources that it's not done. So I tweeted it because I know that many people, uh, are, let's say around Grigonis, from his side, it was the information, I would say it was a negative information. He didn't sign anything. He didn't commit to anybody. So, and everybody thinks that now he's committed to Panathinaikos. So I tweeted it that it's not done. Okay, there's the mix of teams uh, that are waiting for him, and he's close to signing to, but it's not done yet. So it it was finalized in like a couple of days, and Panathinaikos fans just went after me. Oh, you feel so bad just because he didn't sign with Jargiris. Cry me a river for Jargiris, even <laughs> though I don't care about Jargiris, about Panathinaikos. I mean, I treat all the teams uh, the same. I I don't have any preferences. I don't support Jargiris particularly. I'm from Panevichis, so my team is that Kabilis. But even in that case, I'm not, uh, you know, supporting them somehow on my uh, articles just because, uh, let's say, they're my hometown team. So uh, sometimes in a, working in this way, you also get hurt uh, uh, by this information. Uh, absolutely. There's many ways to get hurt. And I, I was thinking I was thinking of, of a situation that can be applicable to real life also when you're for example, I'm sure you experienced this as well with somebody, maybe with 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 your wife or with somebody else, uh, friends or whatever. When you're writing WhatsApp messages, it can be interpreted in a completely different way because the int intonation of it's not there. When I studied communication, that's one of the first thing I learned is the oral interpretation of the message that's sent, of how how you're sending it, how it's received, and whenever you are not able to express yourself properly in the WhatsApp message with a smiley or with some the smiley can be sarcastic too. I mean, you, it's it just it just really on your experience and maybe trauma of how you interpret the person that's writing to you and what what kind of voice are you reading the message? So, are you reading it with with the person's voice? Are you reading it with your voice? How are you exactly. perceiving the message? So it's it's a very it's a very it's a very um, nuanced nuanced thing of how to interpret articles and how they they are going to be perceived by the other 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 people and how how you are receiving the information. Maybe you are receiving the information via WhatsApp message in one way, and you're you have to clarify certain details to understand what the intent is of the information. What's what's the what's the essence of the information? So there's a lot of nuances that in in the communication. This is my this is my world. I love this. But that's a great example because I think that we all had those miscommunication situations absolutely. with our wives, girlfriends and whoever we had in the relationship. Yes, absolutely. I that's the first thing that popped into my mind because I'm I, right now just winding down the la the long distance relationship that I've been into yeah. two more two three more weeks. And and there's been a lot of misinterpretation. Trust me. So it's I think yeah. it's a, but it's 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 this is what modern life is about interpreting misinterpreting because yeah. again you have to be able to dissect the information that you get in certain ways that is is honest yeah. and, and and honest towards that person and 
without giving, maybe giving the person benefit of the doubt, you know, and understanding that this person is not coming from a bad place, but it's trying to uh, convey a message to you. So you understand it, but you have to double check certain things in order to get underneath it all. Uh, if we're talking about security, insecurity, uh, I, I was thinking about of how, when you talk to sources, how secure the person is it depends on on their culture also and on their experiences and their and, and youth. And that's what I think when you asked me earlier, I think in the U.S. there's a lot more security within the person without the people. The confidence level of 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 the American culture is visible in every interaction that you that you talk, whether. They sometimes they they don't they're not sure if they're right or not, but they're very confident in what they're saying, and then they are also able to change along the way and able to say, okay, this was wrong, but this is the right way now. In Europe, we are maybe insecure with our opinions because of how it will be interpreted. So then we kind of look without we look like we don't have confidence just because we're not hundred percent sure. You know, sometimes we also always have to be hundred percent sure in order to express ourselves, and then we kind of have self-doubt more than anything else. And I think that uh, here in Europe, uh, a lot of uh, basketball people, they don't, don't like opinions. If these opinions are negative, not necessarily criticism, but I, I really faced so many of these situations saying something on the podcast or writing something on an article. And I know that a lot of people will take it personal. Although... They shouldn't take it personal because, as I said, my idea is to spark the conversation. And with that conversation, with my arguments, I can be so wrong. But, I mean, it's it's not your turn. But let's say, why not just jump in and, you know, develop that conversation to prove me that I'm wrong in not a negative way. This is not a battle. This is not a rap battle or something that you need to, you know, put somebody in the uncomfortable situation. But, I mean, just for instance... One of the better examples, one of the better recent examples was Mike James complaining about Alba's box and one defense, right? I mean, uh, a lot of coaches uh, got involved. I remember Sergio Scariolo also shared his opinion. We shared our opinions on the podcast. And I believe that uh, Mike James received more, I wouldn't say negative reactions, but uh, opposing reactions to what he said, which is not bad, which doesn't show that something is wrong with you, but it's just the different roles that are facing each other. And through this conversation, you can figure out that, okay, maybe I was wrong with that. Maybe I overreacted and I got something from that uh, conversation. Maybe that conversa conversation also helped uh, to figure out some things to other people of this uh, basketball ecosystem. So I really encourage and spark this uh, discussion here in Europe because I believe that that's what we were missing so much uh, without having very very popular international basketball platforms because i believe that maybe we have those discu these discussions internally or locally in in lithuania let's say uh, in, in in some other countries greece spain or whatever but not internationally where we can involve so many experience and and great basketball minds with, with a huge knowledge so this is this this sparks you know as you're talking i have i have a, a va <laughs> my, my brain is just firing on all cylinders and uh, th there's a quote from my favorite, one of my favorite top podcasters, obviously Joe Rogan, but there's a lot of other podcasters that I listen to, but he, I listen to him the most because he also brings out the most, but uh, there's, you know, the cancel culture is real. And then also in, in the US, especially more than in Europe, but he says to counter bad speech, it's not just to cut, to cut it out, but 
to counter bad speech, you have to have better speech. You know, so whenever you spark something, it's not to say just it's bad speech. It's something that somebody has to come in and maybe counter it with a better argument or with a more details, with a little bit more nuance, with just not necessarily correct, but to give a little bit more substance, a little yeah. bit more different color to it, you know? So it's it's not to to cut out the bad speech. You, sometimes the speech has to be there and then you can build on it as a foundation or as some some sort of uh, first first source of information. Yeah, because I really believe that, especially in this business of basketball, there is no correct side. There's no such thing as a correct side because player coach they can have their different perspectives and it doesn't mean that the coach is right or the player is right so you just have to put all the arguments on the yeah. table and then just to pick things that fits you well but even though it doesn't mean that somebody is, is wrong again that's, that's why I, I, I go back to my truth uh, uh metaphor you know there is no absolute truth everybody has their own truth it's a perspective thing it's a coach's perspective it's a player's perspective everybody has their own perspective and they create their own kind of truth and then you have to build on that if if uh, if we talk about sources what's the just quickly what's the balance between your sources if you say players gms coaches coaching staff if you put a percentage on it how would you how would you put a percentage on on the sources that you collect it's tough because obviously there are way more basketball players than coaches sure uh but i believe that there's a i wouldn't i wouldn't say 50 50 percent but it's it's actually a good question because i never tracked my sources uh, if they're coming from coaching staff or from the player standpoint i would say that it's very uh it's a mix of very different basketball people i wouldn't put like particular numbers because it's it's a big basketball world with yeah. with agents with coaches with the gms with players so it's, i think it's it's quite equal i would say yeah evenly evenly distributed depending on the topic exactly exactly mm. yeah exactly depending on the topic that that matters a lot so if we're talking about international sources then there's also international uh um portals right so international other other international news portals that you collaborate with maybe maybe your exchange information what's the relationship between basket news or your your uh your group and other groups internationally and what are the experiences that you exchange throughout throughout the season uh maybe some vast differences that you can say that you can talk about that are vastly different from how you do things without mentioning the countries mm. or the portals uh i would say that i mean Let's be fair, we don't have many international websites here in Europe. Basically, I think it's only Basket News, Eurohoops, Sportando, and Talk Basket. And I think that all of us, we're all very unique. Sportando was always something like a newsletter. You know, you just read some quick snacks uh, of basketball news. Eurohoops, they were more uh, versatile, I would say. Uh, but I really believe that on basket news we put it not on the whole different level, but we also spread the idea of what basketball conversation and basketball content can be about, uh, going with articles, interviews, podcasts, video breakdowns, some video stories, some just shows, uh, and social media uh, activities, Instagram, the way how entertaining it it can be. So I think we are very unique um participants of this ecosystem just like maybe 
Alba Berlin and Bayern Munich, right? They're coming from the same country. They're also basketball clubs, but they have their unique ideology, how they want to work and how they achieve uh, their goals. And maybe they might have different goals. Speaking of relationship, I wouldn't say that, you know, we're not the best buddies, but I, I believe that there's a real, very respectful uh, relationship. We respect what they do. Uh, I respect what Eurohoops do. I respect what Sportando do. And I believe there's this mutual respect because at the end of the day, we kind of have the same goal um, and uh, and we're trying to be doing something good for basketball. That's that's the ultimate goal, ultimate mission that we have. And I think the most important thing is just to be respectful, not to be cheating, not to be just, you know, somebody works to create some good thing. Somebody works just to harm somebody. somebody. I don't know why uh, people do like that, but okay the world is so big and we have so many different people with different approaches but i think that this is the healthy ecosystem that we have internationally with media healthy competition healthy healthy competition i think so yeah, yeah 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 how old are you now I, it's not it's not a red star partisan thing <laughs> for sure <laughs> how how old are you now um 30 years old and you started when with uh, with just in general with the, with your job that's a difficult question because i volunteered for one lithuanian basketball website when i was 16 or 17 okay. i i worked for free for for many months i would say then i i worked for peanuts basically but i was involved with basketball media in lithuania of course it was a very different level basketball media but still uh, i was more of a translator of nba news rather than some sport journalists or, or whatever but let's say my connection with this uh started when i was like 16 years old i think okay so so my the, the point of this this these first two questions is there's a 14 year more or less okay 14 year learning curve what was the point where you felt like there was a sliding door not a sliding door moment but a realization of of okay this there's levels to this and there's different different areas that i still have to improve on where was the thing because we all go into this naively i know for example for me it was in moscow where it was a completely different realization of 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 basketball of the basketball world and levels you know so for for you how how was when was the point where or maybe a certain situation or a certain project that you had where you understood there's a little bit more this is this is surface level and there's a higher level to this that I still need to get to and you understood the 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 progression I really believe that I always had this higher highest level example just following ESPN for instance I really think that I always had this ultimate goal idea in my mind just to make something like ESPN of Lithuania now it's just to make it some ESPN of, uh, you know, international basketball here in Europe. And by saying ESPN, I'm not saying that I'm a huge fan of ESPN. I'm not uh, advocating what they do, but I'm just saying that I imagine ESPN as like, like a house of NBA basketball with mm -hmm. all the goods and bads. Mm -hmm. So that's what I was dreaming uh, all the time. And it was this uh, thing that I was always trying to reach. And I always knew that whatever I'm doing right now, it's probably very far away, still very far away from how things should be done. So I think that I always had this sense uh, of having, you know, this big, big example 
uh, for myself and the way I should uh, work. Uh, because in Lithuania, I didn't see these um, ESPNs, I would say. I didn't see that example. I had some journalists that I really loved. I loved the way they put stories, the, the way they tell stories, the way they work. But I, I wouldn't say that we had this ESPN uh, here in Lithuania. And I tried to build that uh, thing just not knowing where it leads uh, me to in Lithuania. Mm -hmm. But you had you didn't have a moment where you understood that that mm. uh, you you are still uh, like I mean we're all learning right yeah. is, was there yeah, a moment yeah. where you under, understood that a particular particular uh, a, a team or a particular coach made you aware of something where you're like oh I didn't think about this you know or this is like this is a realization that that uh, helps helps me to be a next level uh, journalist. I believe that for sure I had those mom moments, but I'm not sure if I can recall it uh, right now uh, on, on on the point because because the way I was always working, I was always trying to grow through my experience, trying to be the best that I can that day. And for instance, 10 years ago, my best version maybe was one of the worst versions that should be, you know, uh, that is right now. But at least how that's how I saw uh, things. So that's why uh, that that's why I never kind of felt those huge leaps uh, between levels because I always thought that okay maybe I did some mistakes and stuff like that. I learned from that, but I always tried to be the best version of myself uh, that day working in in, in journalism. So uh, maybe there were those moments when I really felt that I could give a shot at making a career in the NBA environment. Would say, but when I realized what the bureaucracy is in the United States for the European uh, workers. You know, the language barrier that I had, uh, the way it uh, limits my storytelling and all the other stuff that is required to be done in the United States. Yeah, that's that. Maybe that that's that's one of those points. But here in Europe, that's the thing. Here in Europe, we didn't have those examples. We didn't have these ESPN uh, situations. So. Uh, I always knew that ESPN is the United States is something like a moon for us, and you just try to do everything else, uh, everything in your power to be a little bit closer to that moon every day. But you always understood that this gap, you know, you won't reach the moon with any any uh, regular plane. Yeah, it's 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 a difficult. There's a there's a there's a difference for sure, and you you feel like it's it's close, but it's still so far away. <laughs> yeah, in, in many yeah, aspects. Yeah. You mentioned career as you as you got older and you were aspiring aspiring um, high, highest level. What's your end goal? With all with all respect to basket news, but what's what's the end goal for you? Where you feel like that's this is this this is what people ask me, and it makes me feel uncomfortable because there's there's so many things or so many areas you can I can drift off to, and I can I feel like I can be successful in many areas. But what's for you where you feel like this is the end game and this is something that I I, I would like to aspire to be? Uh, that's that's a, that's a good question. That's a legit question. But I think that in my in media business, I'm not sure if there is an end goal because. But you'd like to stay in the write, media business. I'm not sure about that. I. My end goal is to be in basketball. I really love basketball. That's how I fall in. I mean, I loved basketball as far as I remember my earliest years. Uh, so I want to be in basketball business. But I really believe that basketball to me can bring joy 
not just uh, in in from media perspective. I would really love to work inside the team, around the team, but basically it's it's about basketball. However, I'm not sure, you know, in which which position, player, not player, obviously. I doubt that uh, head coach. Maybe it's it's something about being a general manager, manager, assistant GM, scout, somebody in the process of 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 basketball. Uh, I mean, if if we're talking about the media business in your situation, I think it's a bit easier. At least the path is more clear because you can be a head coach, you can be an assistant coach, you can be at the GM the president maybe i know these are clear roles if i'm thinking about the end goal in media business it's it's tough because we don't have those positions dream positions uh, here in europe in espn uh, in in the nba maybe the end goal would be a little bit easier because those uh, uh, main faces main writers they get paid like uh, more than players for instance and the end goal would be to do what I love to do, and at the same time, to get the money to provide the best comfort for my family. That would be the end goal. Yeah, maybe finally I got the answer for myself. My end goal would be involved in basketball business and to, uh, you know, to, to, to take care of my family in order to put them in the best and most comfortable uh, situations in, in, in life. Yeah, I... I'm, I look at it also from that philosophical way of of enjoying what you do day to day, enjoying the people you work with day to day without yeah. having any kind of confrontations, unnecessary confrontations yeah. because it's your colleagues. You, you want to enjoy the daily the daily grind because it's a grind, and you will still want to have a good environment to work in, to thrive in, and to have achieve something together because your your port was also it's a team. So you want to enjoy the team that you're on and and on a daily basis, but at the same time you also want to have a little bit of a life in terms of uh, uh, free time, traveling, enjoying the family that you that you have, and giving them the opportunities that 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 you've received as well. Yeah, that's the thing because when I think about my wife and my kid, I mean, and all those basketball players, especially coaches, I believe their families, I mean, they're sacrificing for them and for their dreams and for what they love so much that it's incredible. Family members, the people around who support our idea of life, our passion, they are the real MVPs. And we're privileged if anybody here listening, if they have, you know, they're in a relationship or they have families, they're in a very privileged situation where their dream and ideas uh, supported. That's 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 a huge thing to have, really. I, I talked to Manta, Mantas about it in the Lithuanian episode. Did you hear what he said? No, I didn't he listen said, to it yet because it's early uh, start yeah. of the week, so I didn't have any road trip yet to listen to your pod. That's okay. That's okay. That's I didn't want to put you on the spot, but it's something that uh, he said, you know, because we talked about family and supporting and, and sacrificing. And he said that I only had two jobs during my career. With, and, and my, my, my wife, one. Yeah. my wife, my wife, she, she was very understanding, but I only had two jobs, bring home the money and take out the trash. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, now, now the tables reversed. Now he has to take care of a home and she has a career. And, and, um, how did, how did the baby, um, change your life and your work how did that how did that change your daily approach it made my life very simple there's work and there's baby 
there's nothing in between basically <laughs> you just a... have to be the best version of yourself in a job in a limited time now because before i think that my time was limitless even though i love my wife respect her but it was a different approach let's say toward my road trips i mean i i i kind of you know i can travel for for weeks and it doesn't say anything about my level of my love to my wife uh, but i i was really okay with being away for quite some time now i've taken those road trips for five days or the last trip was to united states uh, for eight or nine days i feel so bad I've, i'm missing my baby so much and I, at the same time i respect my wife so much because she's alone taking care of my baby and she's in an uncomfortable situation and again sacrificing for for my job for for my passion so i feel kind of bad about it so when i finish my job i always try just to give all the time i have uh, for them or for my wife taking care of the baby and uh, just 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 being with them so life now is 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 very easy great stuff man great stuff are you ready for yeah. atos i'm going to throw atos out at you you know or, or i'm thinking about changing yeah. the atos what do you think about changing the ato segment to the uh, to espressos your coffee freak really just let let keep let keep it atos let keep it more basketball related okay okay all right <laughs> all right you ready you ready i i have i have several picked out so we're gonna we're gonna see how sure. um, we're gonna go through i love this segment so so yeah all right and most underrated aspect or skill of your job uh i'm not sure if it's the most underrated but the patience of 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 journalists i i remember that mindogas kuzminskas when he started doing the podcasts and he had some situations with his guests where he planned one time and those guests didn't respect that time postponed the interviews although you were preparing for that interview whole day you you planned that interview at night for instance so you're kind of sacrificing some dinners or hanging out with your friends I mean that's the the patience and the time that we sacrifice for those basketball people and sometimes they don't uh, respect that's that's painful uh thing to deal with but I think that's very important you know skill to be patient with a bit disrespectful or uh, I would say it's it maybe sometimes it's coming not from disrespect but from just not knowing uh, when you schedule the interview at nine o'clock uh, in on the evening uh maybe a player can think that okay I, i couldn't come back on time so sorry we will need to postpone that interview although it, it might mean that you're missing the date you're missing some nice quality yeah. time with your family or you're not going home you know to meet your 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 friends so so yeah probably the patience is one of the most underrated skill of myself and also of many journalists yeah i can see that i can see that uh best basketball twitter follow Besides the obvious one, not the obvious one. I don't want to hear words or shams, but something else. Uh, since I believe we will have many European basketball followers, I believe that the obvious answer is Mike James, because he's he's unique and he he says what he thinks and he's pretty active. And of course, there's this. List of Hall of Famers like Tyrese Rice, for instance, Malcolm Delaney, but I think that I'm 
I'm noticing that more and more people are becoming more active on, on social media, and which I endorse, which I like, because once again, I think it just sparked the conversation. And it's, it's great to have this conversation among the fans and basketball people, although in, in most cases it, it ends up being something related to hate speech. But anyway, at least there's something to, to begin with. Best non-basketball Twitter follow. Non-basketball Twitter follow. Uh, to be honest, I have big memory problems. And for sure, I have non-basketball profiles that I follow. Usually there are, I wouldn't say life coaches, because life coaching has a bad label. <laughs> but these these people, they have some real, really good advices. How to make life a bit more comfortable easier and it put the, those more most important things in some shelves so i won't recall the particular uh, profiles i just follow them and i just uh, read read what what they write i'm not following particular persons if i like ideas i, I follow these profiles just for the, their ideas but not the persons behind it for instance i can mention you know joe rogan and his and his podcast with so many different people who are bringing quality and interesting information to fill a file uh, to fill, fulfill our lives Basically, personal personal growth. That's sometimes it gets yeah, it, it gets retweeted, and then you you also yeah just, yeah yeah. yeah. Uh, top educational book, maybe from your profession or some some book that that Im impacted your your profession the most. That's the problem. We don't have uh, many books, especially uh, journalism related, uh, and I would say that we have a big gap of basketball books here in europe because the most books that we get are coming from the united states about the nba stories yeah. and i'm missing those interesting european stories that we could all educate from from these life uh, experiences so basically i'm uh, i when i go to us or if my mom goes to us to, to visit my sister i always uh, ask uh, to, to bring at least three books i know that they are heavy so it's not easy to get more, but always try to get at least three books, you know, just just to get that knowledge. And I can actually get some knowledge from from any different book and any uh, other uh, life journey. I would say whether it's like Nick Nurse, Alan Iverson, or or Scottie Pippen, even if he's so negative on his uh, last book, you know, you can still take something and to understand why he is so negative about it. What's behind that? So I think you can learn from from any uh, sports book. Best personal investment you've made? Mm, I think is just this big passion for basketball, I would say. I think my time for basketball, my time dedicated to basketball, uh, because I really don't believe that yet you can i'm not saying i'm successful uh, i still think it's a long way to go but i really doubt that you can be successful just working from eight to five let's say and basketball world it really requires working uh, you know uh, uh, over normal life limits uh, i would say and uh, there are many hard workers in in, in, in our business and that's how it should be. So you need even to overcome that part of uh, ecosystem uh, participants. But I think, yeah, 
it's a huge investment, you know, to to work uh, throughout all day and then to go to games at night and basically, you know, you wake up and you uh, go to sleep breathing and living with basketball. So I believe this is my best investment. One skill you wish you had? One skill I wish I had. I would say that's a good question. I have two skills at least, you know, I wish I had. One would be amazing basketball knowledge so that sometimes, especially coaches, wouldn't play this game like, oh, you don't know anything, you know, I'm, I'm a successful coach and you're a journalist, what, what you can say to me. Sometimes some coaches use this argument. So I would like to have this skill not to be questioned by, by their standards. Uh, but at the same time, I would really like to be um, able to make the every basketball conversation a little bit more entertaining uh and understandable for you know for broader uh basketball audience not just for basketball geeks but also for those who are just on the very very surface uh, of, of basketball but just to get their attention uh as well biggest pet peeve you have in your profession um I do you know the word pet peeve i i don't know if not no, many people I'm not sure. as, yeah uh, i'm trying to uh, what's something something that you observe in your colleagues that or in general in this profession that gets you mad or disappointed because for example for me it's a, it's a if i go to a cafe a wobbly coffee table i that's my biggest pet peeve i i cannot sit there i have to change table so, so something that that irks you that makes you kind of anxious in your profession uh, uh there are two things i think fake news first of all and uh, very very provocative journalists who are trying to be provocative for completely unnecessary reasons because you can be provocative in a good way uh to get something to make something important uh, serious and efficient to to everybody but you can just be provocative just just to get some you know, ratings, oops, uh, clicks, attention, and, and attention. stuff. Yeah, yeah, unnecessary, yeah. yeah. unnecessary, not unquality un attention. I would say. And my last one. Do you know which one it's going to be? The last, the last uh, ATO. No. This is this is the ultimate test for my listeners. You 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 have to you have to know. <laughs> uh, okay, I put you on the spot. I'm sorry. Um, the favorite favorite failure. This is from a Tim Ferriss Tim Ferriss podcast. That ah. always he asks every every guest um, that they learn from the most. Some failure that you have in your past where you feel like you made the, the biggest growth from from that, and you are a better professional because of that, or a better person even. My favorite failure mm. regarding to your listeners test, I, I told you I have a really bad memory. But <laughs> my favorite failure would be I don't have a I just love it sounds strange, but I respect failures. I respect failures that I made because it always keeps me low to the ground. It always reminds me that uh, this especially this media business as soon as you finish your story as soon as you finish your job there's the next task ahead and you cannot you can you cannot you can't 
feel comfortable about yourself because it's so easy to make any failures and every fa- I think it, it it's the same when you're uh, getting tickets for uh, over speeding, uh, police stops you for some reason. It feels like every one of us, or it's only me. Then, at least for a week, I'm the most perfect driver. You know, I'm not over speeding by one kilometer, by single kilometer. I'm I'm super cool. And then after some time, you can't get loose of that. So my favorite failure just to 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 make fail failures, just to remind yourself that you cannot uh, relax, and you always have to be uh, maximizing uh, your stand- standards again to to be the perfect uh, version of of yourself at what you're doing. Okay, Donatas, you survived my hot seat. How you feel? <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm you a bit think, sweaty. You think already? we covered all the bases? You think we covered all the all the um, important aspects of your profession? Uh, I would say no, because just like in basketball, you can't uh, cover all the basketball topics in in one hour and fifteen minutes. So I mean. We could do this episode part two, part three, part four, part part five, and I'm for sure we would find something for part six. So it's it's what we love about uh, our business. I think that it's yeah. something you know you cannot observe. So that's how, how it's interesting. And that's it's why why it's so interesting. And there's no one proof, uh, one explanation behind those things we do. Yeah, it's it's a big big rabbit hole that we always fall into, and we're always trying to find we're finding new things to talk about. But I appreciate you opening up about the profession that we talked about. A lot of nuances that are also underappreciated, I think, in the in this ecosystem of basketball. And uh, tell everybody how they can find you, so so they can find you and give you some scoops if you need some. Uh, if they don't know yet, they of, probably know. But <laughs> yeah, you can find me on Twitter, Urbodo. Also on Instagram, I have the same nickname, but also I just suggest you guys following basketnews.com because they're not just me, but many other very creative, uh, passionate uh, basketball ecosystem participants. I cannot call them journalists because some of them are social media guys, some of the video guys, but they're they're really trying to fulfill this ESPN of of Europe dream and they're working really hard. Yeah, lots of content, lots of content, good content on Basket News on 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 all the social media ma- uh, channels. So everybody needs to tune in, subscribe, and uh, thank you for coming on. We're gonna do this in Lithuanian at some point as well, so the Lithuanian uh, people sure. can also get some some more substance out of it. Thank you. Thanks sure. everybody for listening thank to them, watching. Thanks for having me. 